I probably shouldn't have eaten that packet of powdered gravy I found in the the parking parking lot. lot. Hello, welcome to Infinite Cast. We're just watching old Simpsons episodes. New to me. New to you. I've never seen any of them. You know, I actually read a book about Simpsons episodes before I saw many of the the classic era. I had like a, a guide that was like the encyclopedia of... The Simpsons Encyclopedia or companion book that had like facts, trivia, plot descriptions of every episode, like who all the guest stars are. And I (laughs) read that cover to cover before seeing, I would say, like 70% of like the the episodes that it covered. (laughs) When did you read this? I don't know. I was a kid. I, you know, because I was like allowed to read, but not allowed to watch a lot of TV. Wow, that you would have made a great uh, TV writer or writer about TV, not yes, TV exactly. Writer. So I Maybe like TV writer. So I was allowed to buy a book about The Simpsons before I was like allowed to watch The <laughs> Simpsons. Is so, so funny, very stupid. Oh no, very stupid. But you know, <laughs> uh, it's almost uh, like, it feels almost like yeah, TV. it feels very postmodern in a way. You know, it does. Yeah. Well, now yeah, now I just saw, I just saw a crazy tweet that was like. Wow, you know, young people give TV shows and movies so much like free labor for doing like fan edits. Yes, and uh, then the whole thread was just people naming shows that they watched after seeing fan, fan edits edit, yeah. of them. And I'm just like, there's like a whole you know underground economy yes. of uh, advertising that I'm sure TV networks barely know how to get a hold of. Well, it's interesting as <laughs> as modernity presses on and on and on. You know, like and on and on. we're you know basically what the second third generation that has like tv as a recognizable pop cultural thing so like by time we were born there really wasn't that much stuff that was like essential tv we had i had 40 channels when i was a kid. yeah and, and the, then the we eventually got a ni- some nicer cable but so like when we have kids what is their relationship going to be to like i don't know buffy the vampire slayer i have no idea is that going to recede into the the dimness of past as being just like oh that's a thing that happened or because like when i was in you know college and immediately after that was considered like part of the canon of great tv right totally you know and now i haven't heard somebody mention buffy in years everything is so like fractured. a decade yeah i don't know i don't know we'll find out TV. TV. That fascinating. What if you just watched it forever? Entertainment. Speaking yeah. of. Speaking of, should we just get into this book? <laughs> yeah, let's get into the book. All right. We're back with Don. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, Gately's memories of Cheers's nom now are clearer and vivider than any memory of the Wraith dream or the whirling Wraith who said death was just everything outside you getting really slow. <laughs> The implication that there might at any given time in any room be whole swarms of wraiths flitting around the hospital on errands that couldn't affect anybody living, all uh, way too fast to see and dropping by to watch Gately's chest rise and fall at the rate of the sun. None of this has sunk in enough to give him the howlers, nor in the wake of Joel's visit and the fantasies of romance and rescue and the consequent shame. There's now a sandy sound of gritty, sleetish stuff wind-driven against the room's window, the hiss of the heater, sounds of gunfire and brass bands from cartridge viewers on in other rooms, the room's other beds still empty and tightly made. The intercom gives that triple ding every few minutes. He wonders if they just do it to bug people. <laughs> the fact that he couldn't even finish Ethan Fromm, Fromm, <laughs> Ethan, Ethan Fromm in 10th grade English, and hasn't gotten clue one about where ghost words like sinistral or Liebestad mean or come from, much less a is just starting to percolate up to awareness 
when there's a cold hand on his good shoulder and he opens his eyes. Not to mention ghost words, which is a real and esoteric word. He's been floating just under sleep's lid again. Joelle Van Dee's gone. The hand is the nurse that had changed the catheter bag. She looks hassled and unserene, and one cheekbone sticks out farther than the other, and her little slot of a mouth's got little vertical wrinkles all around it from being held tight all the time, not unlike the basically late Mrs. G's tight little mouth. <laughs> I don't like the phrase tight little yeah, mouth. Yeah, no, me neither. Especially not talking about your mom. Uh, the visitor said you'd requested this because of the tube. It's a little stenographic notebook, and Bick, are you left-handed? The nurse means sinistral. She's penguin-shaped and smells of cheap soap. The notebook is stenographic because its pages turn over at the top instead of to the side. Gately shakes his head gingerly and opens his left hand for the stuff. It makes him feel good all over again that Joelle had understood what he'd meant. She hadn't just come to tell her troubles to somebody that couldn't make human judgment noises. Shaking his head slowly lets him see past the nurse's white hip. Ferocious Francis is sitting in the chair that the Wraith and Ewell and Calvin Thrust had all sat in, his skinny legs uncrossed, gnarled and crew-cutted and clear-eyed behind his glasses, and totally relaxed, holding his portable O2 tank, his chest rising and falling at about the rate of phone rings, watching the nurse waddle tensely out. It's sweet that all the people came and see him, but it's also, you know, I, I also imagine though i don't think it's made explicit that it's it's kind of like what else are you gonna do yeah right <laughs> when you're when you're in a house like this it's like well it's almost it's almost like you'd be grateful like oh great another place to go and something to do yeah right <laughs> exactly gately can see a clean white tee under the open buttons of ferocious francis's flannel shirt coughing is ff's way of saying hello Still sucking air, I see, Ferocious Francis said when the fits passed, making sure the little blue tubes are still taped under his nose. Gately struggles with one hand to flip the notebook open and write, YO, in block caps. <laughs> Except there's nothing to really hold the notebook up against and write. He has to sort of balance it flat on one thigh so he can't see what he's writing. And writing with his left hand makes him feel like a stroke victim must feel. And what he holds up at his sponsor looks more like, here, you can take a look. Oh, the, the very mangled yo. <laughs> That's funny. Figured God needed a little help the other uh, night, did you? Francis I would, says. I would like to hear to be privy to the debate in the um or the 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 conversation with his editor of being like, hey, can I put in this one thousand uh page book two two handwritten characters? Yeah, custom. <laughs> uh Francis says, leaning way out to the side to get a red bandana hanky out of a back pocket. What I heard. Gately tries to shrug, can't, smiles weakly. His right shoulder is so thickly bandaged, it looks like a turbaned head. The old man probes a nostril and then examines the hanky with interest, just like the dream wraith did. His fingers are swollen and misshapen, and his nails are long and square, and the color of old turtle shell. Poor sick bastard going around cutting up people's pets, cut up the wrong people's pets. This is the way I heard it. Gately wants to tell Ferocious Francis how he's discovered how no one one second of even unnarcotized post-trauma infection pain is unendurable, that he can abide if he must. He wants to share his experience with his crocodile sponsor. And plus, now that somebody he trusts himself to need is here, Gately wants to weep about the pain and tell how bad the pain of it is, how he doesn't think he can stand it one more second. You saw yourself as in charge, thought you'd step in, protect your fellow man from his consequences. Which poor, sick, green, ended house fuck was it? <laughs> Gately struggles to try and get his knee up so he can see to write. Lens, white wig, always north, always on phone. Again, it looks cuneiform, though, illegible. 
Ferocious Francis blows out a nostril and replaces the little tube. The tank in his lap makes no sound. It has a little valve, but no needles or dials, or no dial or needles. You stepped in against six armed Hawaiians, I hear. Marshall plan, Captain Courageous. God's, Marshall plan. God's personal shame. <laughs> FF likes to send air through his nose's tubes in a mirthless burst, a kind of anti-laugh. His nose is large and cucumber-shaped and wide-poured, and pretty much its whole circulatory system is visible. Glenny Cubitz calls me and describes the thing blow by blow job. Says I should see the other guys. Says about breaking a Hawaiian's nose, shoving the bits up into the brain. The old chop and stiff arm, he says. Big Don Jesus, satanically tough motherfucker. This was his assessment. I like that you're using your the Frank Sinatra voice yeah. for, for Ferocious Francis. Oh, Ferocious oh. Francis. Said the way he heard it, you could fight like you were born in a bar fight. <laughs> I tell Glenny, I say, I'm sure you'll be proud to hear him say it. Gately was trying with maddening, sinistral care to write out hurt, dead any, finished, who, hat, and hall, more like drawing than writing, when, without warning, one of the day shift trauma MDs sweeps in, radiating brisk health and painless cheer. Gately remembers dealing with this one MD some days ago in a kind of gray post-surgical fog. This MD is Indian or Pakistani and is glossily dark, but with a sort of weirdly classically white type face you could easily imagine profiling on a coin, plus teeth uh, you could read by the gleam of. Gately hates him. <laughs> so I am here with you again in this room, the MD sings, kind of. I'm not doing a, a Pakistani accent uh, when he talks. The name in gold piping on his white coat has a D and a K and a shitload of vowels. Gately almost has to reach up and swat this MD. Uh, had to reach up and swat this MD after surgery to keep him from hooking up a Demerol drip. That was between, let's say, four and eight days ago. It's probably but for the grace that his crocodilian sponsor, Ferocious Francis G, is sitting here watching blandly when the Pakistani MD sweeps in this time. Plus, they all have this flourishy MD way of sweeping Gately's chart up off their hip and holding it up to read it. The Pakistani purses his lips and puffs them out absently and sucks off his pen a little. Grade 2 toxemia, sinoveal inflammation. The pain of the trauma is very much worse today, yes? The MD says to the chart. He looks up, the teeth emerge. Sinoveal inflammation, nasty, nasty. The pain of synovial inflammation is compared in the medical literature to renal calculus and ectopic labor. <laughs> Partly, it's the darkness of the classic face around them that makes the teeth seem so high-watt. The smile widens steadily without seeming to run out of new teeth to expose. And so you are now ready to let us provide the level of analgesia, analgesia the trauma warrants instead of Toradol. Simple headache, ibuprofen, which these medications are boys doing a large man's duty here, yes? There has been reconsidering in light of the level, Yes. Gately is inscribing an enormous vowel in the notebook with incredible care. <laughs> I make you aware of synthetic antipyretic analgesics, which are no higher than category C3, which takes us to end note two, uh, 354. Mm, QV note A to note 12. I assume this is just, this you is know. Pharmaceutical yeah. information. Not going back, sorry. Uh, back to the text. For dependence. Gately imagines the MD smiling incandescently as he wields a shepherd's crook. The guy has that odd, clipped, sing-song way of talking of skinny guys in loincloths on mountains in films. <laughs> Gately superimposes a big skull and crossbones over the glossy face, mentally. He holds up a palsied page-high A and brandishes it at the MD and then brings the notebook back down and swiftly up again, spells it out. 
figuring Ferocious Francis will step in and set this ad man for the disease straight once and for all. So Gately will never have to face this kind of Pakistani temptation again <laughs> with maybe nobody's supportive here next time. C3 his ass. Fucking Tallwind's C3 too. Or a Morph SR for an instance. Very safe. Very much relief. Fast relief. This is just morphine sulfate with a fancy corporate name, Gately knows. This, <laughs> this raghead doesn't know who he's dealing with Oof. or what he's. Uh, he, he was being a bit racist before. Now he's being very racist. Uh, now Speaking of, we're, we were watching highlights from Auckland Tennis, and uh, the winner is being presented a spear by a bunch of Maoris doing a haka. They're doing a haka? Yes. That's funny. Uh, hakas are cool. They are cool, but it is it feels weird to watch a white tennis guy be presented a literally a spear by a bunch of guys. Is he, like in, is he like, Kiwi? I, I don't I don't know. I think he just won the Auckland Open. I think that oh, okay. So it doesn't yes. it doesn't matter who he is. Yeah, by a bunch of you know, like tattooed guys in, in literally like uh uh, uh palm loincloths. That's funny. Now I must tell now I must tell tell. I would make the personal first choice of titrated hydromorphone hydrochloride in this case. Christ, this is dialated. Uh I don't am I pronouncing that right? Dialated? Di dialated? I'll look it up. Dilated? Dilated. Okay. <laughs> Got like, it. I like laudanum, I assume. Dilated. Blues. Fackelman's Mount Doom. We'll learn more about that later. Kite's steep angled decline as well. Death on a Ritz. The Blue Bayou. Gene Fackelman's killer, by and large. And also Gately pictures good old Nooch, tall skinny Vinny Nucci from the beach at Salem, who favored Dilated and spent over a year without ever taking the belt off his wing, dropping through Osco skylights at night on a rope with the belt all tight and ready just over his elbow already. Nucci never eating and getting skinnier and skinnier until he seemed to just be two cheekbones raised to a great silent height, even the whites of his eyes finally turning the blue of the bayou and Fackelman's eliminated map after the insane scam on Sorkin and a disastrous two nights of Dilaudid, when Sorkin, though I say yes, this is in truth a C2 medication, and I wish to respect all wishes and concerns, the MD half sings, inclined at the waist now by Gately's railings, looking closely at the shoulders dressing, but not seeming at all disposed to even touch it, his hands behind his back. His ass is more or less right in Ferocious Francis's face, who's just sitting there. The MD doesn't even seem to be aware 34-year sober Ferocious Francis is in there, and Francis isn't making a peep. It also occurs to Gately that esoteric is another ghost word he's got no rights to throw around mentally. <laughs> For I am Muslim and abstain also by religious law from all abusive compounds as well, the MD says. Yet if I have suffered trauma or the dentist of my teeth proposes to perform a painful process, I submit as a Muslim to the imperative of my pain and will accept relief, knowing no established religion's God's will, uh, God wills needless suffering for his children. Gately has made two shaky smaller A's together on the next sheet and is stabbing emphatically at the sheet with his bick. He wishes if the MD wouldn't shut up, he'd at least move so Gately could shoot a desperate please jump in here look at Ferocious Francis. The drug question has nothing to do with established gods. The MD is bobbing a little as he leans, his face coming in and then receding. This is a grade two trauma we are looking at in this room. Allow me to explain that the discomfort of right now will only intensify as the synovial nerves begin to reanimate. The laws of trauma dictate that the pain will intensify as healing begins to commence. <laughs> I am a professional at my job, sir, as well as a Muslim. <laughs> hydrocodone bitartrate, which takes us to EndNote 355. Anexia, uh, Smith-Klein, Beecham Laboratories. Back to the text. C3. 
Levorphanol tartrate, which takes us to Endo 356. <laughs> Levodromorin from Roche Laboratories. Back to the text. C3. Oxymorphone hydrochloride, which takes us to Endnote 357. Newmorphan, kind of a watered-down Dilaudid, <laughs> DuPont Pharmaceuticals. Back to the text. Admittedly, yes, C2, but more than indicated in this degree of needless suffering. Gately can hear Ferocious Francis blowing his nose again behind the MD. Gately's mouth floods with spittle at the memory of the sick, sweet, antiseptic taste of hydrochloride that rises to the tongue with an injection of Demerol. The taste kite and the lesbian burglars and even Equus all stick anything in any part of my body. Reese all gagged at. <laughs> but that poor old Nooch and Gene Fackelman and Gately himself had loved came to love like a mother's warm hand. Gately's eyes wobble and his tongue protrudes from a shiny mouth corner as he draws a crude syringe and arm and belt and then tries to draw a skull and crossbones over the whole shaky ensemble. But the skull looks more like a plain old smiley face. He holds it out to the foreigner anyway. The dextral pain's so bad he wants to throw up, throat tube or no. The MD studies the palsied drawing, nodding the exact way Gately used to nod at Alfonso Parias Carbo, the totally ununderstandable Cuban. Oxycodone naloxone uh, compound, which takes us to endnote 358. <sighs> Perwin NX, Boswell Medications Limited Canada, which accounts for the C3 because the Canadians are notoriously insane when it comes to forecasting abuse potential. Back to the text. With a short half-life, but only a C3 grading of abuse. There's no way the guy could be, like, intentionally making his voice this weedily sounding. It's got to be Gately's own disease, the spider. Gately envisions his brain struggling in a silk cocoon. He keeps summoning to mind the little detox story Ferocious Francis tells from the commitment podium, how they gave him Librium, which takes us to Endnote 359, <laughs> a.k.a. oxide hydrochloride, Roach Incorporated, a low-grade volumish trank. Back to that X. Uh, with a short... Oh, sorry. Nope, I got lost. How the, uh, They gave him Librium to help with the discomfort of withdrawal and how Francis said he just threw the Librium hard over his left shoulder for luck and has had very good luck ever since. Likewise as well, the time-tested pentazosine lactate, which I can offer with assurances as a Muslim trauma professional standing here in this room in person with you at your bedside. Pentazosine lactate is Talwin, Gately's number two trusted standard when he was out there, which 120 milligrams on an empty gut was like floating in oil the exact same temperature as your body, <laughs> just like Percocet, which takes us to Endnote 360. Is this the first time Percocet is mentioned I in guess. this? I guess. A C3 and sort of entry-level oral narcotic, the side effects and inconsistent buzz of which often send abusers up the ladder to C2 compounds. Well, back, back uh, it takes that long in this book about narcotics mentioned Percocet, but then Percocet would have such a glow up in the next two decades. Such a glow up, yeah. yeah. Uh, Percocet. Molly Percocet. Molly Percocet. Percocet. Molly. Molly Percocet. Seems like a terrible idea. Two, t yeah. two tastes that I don't think would taste great together, <laughs> yeah, I don't, but what I don't do I really know? get that one. I would have to ask Future what he, what he sees in that. <laughs> Future's like, no, I've never done it. I just, I just, see, I just said it because it sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, the... the Percocet. I mean, you know, we got like six, the five syllable thing. I think the problem with that combination is that the urge to like get up and dance and move around and have fun would be incredibly blunted by opiates. Yes. You would basically just be sitting vibrating on a couch. Well, which I think maybe that that's that is what you the want. point. Well, that's like the point of the speedball, right? Is that you get the yeah. upper and the downer at once and then you get like the perfect middle. 
I, I assume that it just gives you a perfect like floaty feeling. Yeah. Basically. Aye, aye, aye. You're up and down. Uh, well, there, there must be some kind of, at this point at least, like prescri- prescription or prescribed thing to treat addicts with like non-narcotizing non-narcotic painkillers. Pain well, I don't know. So here, he, I, some procedure. I mean, ketamine. Maybe like just so maybe you get dissociatives instead of an, like analgesic yeah. opiates. I don't if you, know. If anybody knows anything, if anyone about knows this, anything about this, thank God touch. I have not had to be medicated Again, for, for pain, either of the yes, uh, for either in things. anything more serious than menstrual cramps yes. uh, in recent memory. Just like Percocet, except without the maddening back of the eyeball itch that always wrecked a Percocet high for him. Surrender your courageous fear of dependence and let us do our profession, young sir, the Pakistani sums up, standing right up next to the bed, the left side, his professional lab coat hiding FF, hands behind his back, the dull glint of the metal corner of Gately's chart just visible between his legs, immaculate of posture, smiling cheerily down, the whites of his eyes as ungodly white as his teeth. The memory of Talwin makes parts of his body Gately didn't know could drool, drool. He knows what's coming next, Gately does. And if the Pakistani goes ahead and offers Demerol again, Gately won't resist. And who the fuck will be able to blame him after all? Why should he have to resist? He'd received a bona fide grade whatever dextral synovial trauma, shot with a professionally modified 44 item. He's post-trauma, in terrible pain, and everyone heard the guy say it. It was going to get worse, the pain. This was a trauma pro in a white coat here making reassurances of legitimate fucking use. Gehaney heard him. What the fuck did the flaggers want from him? This wasn't hardly like slipping over to Unit 7 with a syringe and a bottle of Visine. This was a stop-term measure, a short-gap-type measure, the probable intervention of a compassionate, unjudging god. A quick RX squirt of Demerol, probably at the outside two, three days of a Demerol drip, maybe even one where they'd hook the drip to a rubber bulb he could hold and self-administer the Demerol only as needed. <laughs> maybe it was the disease itself telling him to be scared a medically necessary squirt would pull all his old triggers again, put him back in the cage. Gailey pictures himself trying to shunt through a magnetic contact burglar alarm with a hand and a hook. But surely, if Ferocious Francis thought a medically advised short-term squirt suspect at all, the old reptilian bastard would say something, do his fucking job as a crocodile and sponsor, instead of just sitting there playing with his nostrils' little non-invasive tube. Look, kid, I'm going to screw and let you settle this bullshit and come back up later, comes Francis's voice, subdued and neutral, signifying nothing. And then the rasp of the chair's legs and the system of grunts that always accompanies FF's getting up from a chair. His white crew cut rises like a slow moon over the Pakistani's shoulder, which the MD's only sign of acknowledgement of Francis is to sort of tuck his chin down into his shoulder like a violinist, addressing Gately's sponsor for the first time. Then perhaps you would please, Mr. Gately Sr., if you please help us <laughs> help your concerned and brave boy here, but a boy, I believe, whose cavalier attitude underestimates the level of coming discomfort, which is sadly unnecessary altogether, if he will let us help him, sir, the Pakistani sings over his shoulder to Ferocious Francis, as if they were the room's only adults. He's assuming Fro- Ferocious Francis is Gately's organic dad. <laughs> Gately knows organic a crocodile. <laughs> my organic dad. Gately knows a crocodile never bothers to correct anybody's misimpression. He's halfway to the door, moving with maddening slow care, like always, as if walking on ice, twisted and seeming to limp off both legs, and heartbreakingly assless in the baggy (laughs) seat-shiny, wide-wailed old man's corduroys he always wears, the back of his red neck complexly creased as he moves off away, lifting one hand in a gesture of acknowledgement and dismissal of the MD's request. 
Not my business to say one way or the other. Kid's going to do what he decides he needs to do for himself. He's the one that's feeling it. He's the only one can decide. He either pauses or slows down even further at the open door, looking back at Gately but not meeting his wide eyes. You keep your pecker up, kid, and I'll bring some of the son of bitches by to look in again later. He slips in, might want to ask for some help, deciding. The last of this comes from the white hall as the Pakistani's glossy head comes back in close with now a tight, strained patient's smile and Gately can hear him inhaling to get ready to say that, of course, in grade two traumas of this severe type, the treatment of preferred indication is the admittedly C2 and highly abusable but unsurpassed for effectiveness and tightly controlled administration of one 50 milligram tab and a diluting saline drip Q3-4 hours of MIP. Gately's good left hand skins a knuckle, shooting out between the bars of the bedside crib railing and plunging under the MD's lab coat and fastening onto the guy's balls and bearing down. <laughs> the Pakistani... <laughs> the Pakistani pharmacologist screams like a woman. <laughs> it, isn't, it isn't rage or the will to harm so much as just no other ideas for keeping the bastard from offering something Gately knows that he's powerless at this moment to refuse. The sudden exertion <laughs> sends a blue-green sheet of pain over Gately that makes his eyes roll up as he bears down on the balls, but not enough to crush. The Pakistani curtsies deeply and bends forward, crumpling around Gately's hand, showing all 112 teeth as he screams higher and higher until he hits a jagged high note like a big opera lady in a Viking helmet, so shattering it makes the crib railings and window glass shiver and woke Don Gately up with a start, his left arm through the railing and twisted with the force of his attempt to sit up, so the pain now made him hit almost the same high note as the dreams for an MD. Oh, man, that's really funny. <laughs> this, uh, the sky outside the window was gorgeous, delauded colored. <laughs> I, I am, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but I am just imagining that very much in anime uh, colors, just all the uh, the motion lines and the, the quick cuts of, of things. And then like yeah. the, uh, the still with the exaggerated guy just screaming in an operatic high note is like, the I, 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 I can barely see it. <laughs> So it was a it was a dream. It was a dream. The room was full of serious AM light. No sleet on the window. The ceiling throbbed a little, but did not breathe. The one visitor chair was back over by the wall. He looked down. Either the stenographer's notebook and pen that had uh, had got knocked off his bed, or the dream had made up that part too. The next bed was still empty and made up tight. It came to him all of a sudden why they called them hospital corners, but the railing Joel Van D. <laughs> had folded down to sit on the bunk and the fucking Erdetti kid's sweats was still folded down and the other railing was still up. So there was some, like, evidence of the one part that she'd really been there showing him the pictures. Gately brought his skinned hand gingerly back inside the railing and felt to make sure there really was a big invasive tube going into his mouth, and there was. He could roll his eyes way up and see his heart monitor going silently nuts. Sweat, sweat was coming off every part of him and for the first time in the trauma wing, he felt like he needed to take a shit and he had no idea what arrangements there were for taking a shit, but suspected they weren't going to be appetizing at all. <laughs> second, second, he tried to abide. No single second was past enduring. The intercom was giving triple dings. There really were sounds of other rooms, TPs, and of a meal cart being rolled down the hall, and the metally smell of food for the edible patients. Edible patients. He couldn't see anything like a hat shadow in the hall, but it could have been all the sunlight. 
The dream's vividness had either been fever or disease, but either way, it had fucking seriously rattled his cage. He heard the sing-song voice promising about increasing discomfort. His shoulder beat like a big heart, and the pain was sickeninger than ever. No single second was past standing. Memories of good old Demerol rose up, clamoring to be entertained. The thing in Boston AA is they try to teach you to accept occasional cravings, the sudden thoughts of the substance. They tell you that sudden substance cravings will rise unbidden in a true addict's mind like bubbles in a toddler's bath. It's a lifelong disease. You can't keep the thoughts from popping in there. The thing they try to teach you is just to let them go, the thoughts. Let them come as they will, but do not entertain them. No need to invite a substance thought or memory in. Offer it a tonic in your favorite chair and chat with it about old times. The thing about Demerol wasn't just the womb-warm buzz of a serious narcotic. It was more like the what... The aesthetic of the buzz. Gatelyd always found Demerol with a slight tallwing kicker, such a smooth and orderly buzz, a somehow deliciously symmetrical buzz. The mind floats easy in the exact center of a brain that floats cushioned in a warm skull that itself sits perfectly centered on a cushion of soft air some necklace distance above the shoulders, and inside all is a somnolent hum. Chest rises and falls on its own, far away. The easy squeak of your head's blood is like bed springs in the friendly distance. The sun itself seems to be smiling, and when you nod off, you sleep like a man of wax and awaken in the same last position you remember falling asleep in. And pain of all sorts becomes a theory, a news item in the distant colder climes way below the warm air you hum on, and what you feel is mostly gratitude at your abstract distance from anything that doesn't sit inside concentric circles and love what's happening. I think we've got, uh, yeah, how much time we got? Let's see, we are at... 29 minutes which is you know we usually stop around 30 is there a lot more in this um what page did i start on there's well, a little bit more yeah so we tell me have we done 10 pages i don't think we've done 10 pages beep, 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 beep. 83 let's do let's do two more pages i'd like to get, get to, to 10. An even 10 yeah. uh gately takes advantage of the fact that he's already facing ceiling word to seriously ask for help with the obsession he thinks hard about anything else at all heading out with old Gary Carty in the pre-dawn reek of low tide off Beverly to bring up lobster traps, the MP and the flies, his mother sleeping slack-mouthed on a chintz divan, cleaning the very grossest corner of the shattuck shelter, the billow of the veiled girl's veil, the traps' little cages of cross-hatched bars, the lobster's eyes' stalks always poking through the squares so the eyes looked out at open sea, or the bumper stickers on the MP's old Ford, See ya! And don't tailgate me or I'll flick a booger on your windshield. And uh, MIA, Forgotten, which Forgotten has circled with a uh, strike through to it. Okay, yes. Uh, And I haven't had sex in so long I forget who gets tied up. (laughs) The fish asking about what's water. There we go. (laughs) The sharp-nosed, round-cheeked, this is water. This This is is water. water. The sharp-nosed, round-cheeked, dead-eyed nurse with a weird Germanish accent that would sell Gately little sampler bottles of Sanofi Winthrop Demerol syrup, 80 milligrams a bottle, vilely banana-flavored, <laughs> then would lie back slack and dead-eyed while Gately X'd her, barely breathing in an airless Ipswich apartment whose weird brown window shades filled the place with light the color of weak tea. Named Ediga or Egget? She eventually started telling Gately she couldn't come close to coming unless he burned her with a cigarette, oh, which marked the first time Gately seriously tried to quit smoking. <laughs> now a black outside linebacker of a St. Eve's nurse rumbles in and checks his drips, 
and writes on his chart and points the artillery of her tits down at him to ask how he's doing and calls him baby, which nobody minds from enormous black nurses. Gately points at his lower abdomen in the area of his colon and tries to make a broad, explosive gesture with just one arm, slightly less mortified than if it had been a human-sized white nurse, at least. Gately happened onto Demerol at age 23 when intraocular itching finally forced him to abandon Percocets and explore new vistas. Demerol was more expensive milligram for milligram than most synthetic narcs, but it was also easier to get, being the treatment of medical choice for mind-bending post-operative pain. Gately can't for the life of him remember who or just where in Salem he was first introduced to what the boys on the North Shore called Pebbles and Bam Bams, 50 and 100 milligram Demerol tablets, respectively very tiny and tiny, chalky white scored discs with D-35 on one side and Sanofi Winthrop Co.'s very soon beloved trademark, a kind of W on the other, uh, that rakish W just puncturing the square envelope of itchy-eyed North Shore life. And just remembering even the D-35 feels like entertaining the obsession. He knows it was not long after Nooch's funeral because he'd been alone and crewless at whatever moment whoever handed him two 50-milligram tablets, way too tiny for his big-fingered hands, in lieu of whatever else it was he'd wanted, laughing when Gately said, what the fuck, and they look like buffering for ants or some shit, saying, (laughs) trust me. What is this, a drug for ants? (laughs) It's got to be at least three times that size. I love the idea of handing Gately a pill he's, that's so small it like disappears in his hand and him going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it must have been his 23rd summer out there because he remembers being shirtless and driving down 93 when he ran out of everything else and had pulled off into the JFK library lot to take them. So small and tasteless, he had to check his open mouth in the rear view to make sure he'd gotten them down. And he remembers not wearing a shirt because he'd gotten to study his big, bare, hairless chest for a long time. <laughs> And from that somnolent PM in the JFK lot on, he'd been a faithful attendant at the goddess Demerol's temple right to the very finish. Gately remembers crewing for good bits of both the Percocet and Demerol eras with two other North Shore narcotics addicts who Gately'd grown up with and had broke digits for Whitey Sorkin, the migrainous bookie with the other. They weren't burglars, either of them, uh, these guys, Fackelman and Kite. Fackelman had a background in creative type checks, Plus access creative type <laughs> checks. Plus yeah, I'm in creative checking. Crea- <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a robber. I'm a creative banker. Um, yeah, I'm an art a banker art yes. director. Plus access to equipment for manufacturing ID and Kite's background was that he'd been a computer weenie at Salem State before he got the shoe for hacking the phone bills of certain guys deep in trouble over 900 sex lines into the SS administration's Watts account, and they became naturals at crewing together, F and K, and had their own unambitious but elegant scam going that Gately was ever only marginally in on. What what Fackelman and Kite would do, they'd rig up an identity and credit record sufficient to rent them a luxury furnished apartment, then they'd rent a lot of upscale type appliances from like Rent-A-Center or Rent-To-Own <laughs> down in Boston. Then they'd sell the luxury appliances and furnishings off to one of a couple uh, of a couple dependable fences. Then they'd bring in their own air mattresses and sleeping bags and canvas chairs and little legit bought TP and viewers and speakers and camp out in the empty luxury apartment, getting very high on the rented goods net proceeds until they got their second overdue notice on the rent. Then they'd rig up another identity and move on and do it all over. Gately took his turn being the one to bathe and shave and answer a luxury apartment rental ad in borrowed yuppie wear and meet the property management people and sweep them off their ban fees with his ID and credit rating and forge some name on the lease. 
and he usually crashed and got high in the apartments with Fackelman and Kite, though he, Gately, had had his own digit-breaking and then later burglary career and his own fences and tended more and more to cop his own scripts and his own Percocets and then later Demerol. We'll do one more. Lying there, working on abiding and not entertaining, Gately remembers how good old doomed Gene Fackelman, that for a narcotics addict had had a truly raging libido, used to like bring different girls home to whatever apartment they were scamming at the time, and how Fax had opened the door and look around in pretend astonishment at the empty and carpetless luxury apartment and shout, we've been fucking robbed! <laughs> Should we stop there? Yeah. What do you think the point is of footnoting the manufacturer of every uh, pharmaceutical in the mentioned in the book? Do you think... DFW was an early kind of like anti big pharma guy. That's what my that's what my first impulse is is that it is, and then also that it is like a corporate thing. Is this uh, a, did you put on a Boston walk? Yeah, w- w- it's it's walking through Boston in the rain. Oh man, four <laughs> <laughs> K, one hour. <laughs> I, I am honestly Beacon Hill. Beacon Hill oh, they're the Beacon, Beacon Hill, Hill cleaners. I'm dead ass. We should go. Um, once we finish this, we should go on a celebra- celebratory trip to Boston. We gotta walk down. We gotta walk down the entire length of Com Ave. Do you think we could try to tour? You know what I'm killing. Should to we do see a in all seriousness? Are there? Is, is there anybody who listens to this who's in Boston? Uh, Gabe, my friend Gabe. That's okay. There's one. <laughs> we can meet up with Gabe. Okay. Uh. No, um, I, I, I would kill. This is my my nastiest um, mm-hmm. uh, higher achiever self. Is that I would love to tour MIT. You know their facilities are fucking I, slick as hell. I have. Do you want to hear how what sickos my parents are? Absolutely. I went on a tour of of Harvard with my parents when I was like eleven. Okay, Doogie Hauser. We did like a family trip to Boston for some reason. Why would you go from Cincinnati to Boston? I guess it's for. I assume my mom wanted to do like the history stuff and they were like, I don't know, Fit, like yeah. art museums the and freedom stuff. But like one of the trail. things we did was like she took me on like a, a tour of Harvard and was like, Don't you want to go here someday? Oh my god. She yes. was trying to Harvard pill you. I also remember my stepdad threatening uh, to throw my Tamagotchi into the Charles River. I mean, I'm sure uh, during that trip because I was annoying him so much <laughs> playing with it. I don't think I realized Tamagotchi has um, sound. I thought it was silent. Well, I think he was just annoyed that I was like fussing over it. You know, they, you know, those are back and that the kid like kids have them again. It makes sense. There should be a Tamagotchi app. Yeah, I think they're it's original format. Like, yeah, they're not smart. Yeah, you want like the physical thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So my thing, I'm assuming that the uh, the the pharmaceutical thing, I, I assume it's a very Gen X 90s. You know, oh, God, what was that? The name of that Prozac Nation type thing of of being like. You know, in his own way, let, let's like subtly, but like mention that these are all all these narcotics that are we're being drugged with and are being peddled at huge things are manufactured by companies. companies yeah, uh, who have their own bottom line and their yeah, own, exactly. You know, it's, you al- know. it's almost like they um, what's take the take the one that take the pill that makes you ill. <laughs> there is no other pill to take. So take the one that makes you ill. I am the Nina. The pe- <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's yeah, my favorite it's, you're, song. you're right. You're right in, in pinning it to Prozac Nation because I feel yeah. like the history of pills in particular in America, it used to be, you know, you you get your uppers and your downers, yes. your reds and your blues, yes. your dexies your, your, and your... Your, your, your zoomers and your doomers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it was like normal, you know, oh, you're a housewife and you're stressed out and yeah. you can't sleep, but you're also tired all the time. Yes. A little bit up during the day, a little yes. down at night, mommy's a little helper. And then they made one perfect pill 
the Quaalude, and then they took it away from us. <laughs> we, we're, we've been paying for the Quaalude ever since. Yes. Uh, no, I mean... So it, that, was, uh, look, yeah, that was the 60s, and then I feel like maybe like a little bit of a downsweep, and then mm-hmm. by the like late 80s into the 90s, you know, every, everyone was on... Yeah. I think even R- Ritalin was coming up at this time, right? Yes, but, uh, you know, it's notable... By the uh, midnight, I was aware of Ritalin by the time I was... Oh, yeah, I was on Ritalin grade. by yeah. the time <laughs> this book was, was written. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's notable, and again, very much of his generation, that I, I don't think Ritalin or Adderall are, are mentioned in this book at all. Uh, yeah. That's, that would be a, a I thought a he maybe did mention later. Ritalin. Really? But not... Adderall was... I, I don't think it was later. even developed that's, until that's, the mid-90s. Look, Adderall, Adderall is very 9-11. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, he's not wrong <laughs> to point out that what big business, you know, Demerol is. Yeah, and he then he kind of pre again yeah. like, predated the the uh, o- opioid, opioid crisis, yes. which yes. came for you know, from many reasons, but over prescribing. Yes, uh, uh, but I also I'll also for, imagine, or you know, that he is trying to make a. You know, not imagine. It's, I think it's fairly obvious that he's trying to make a comparison between uh, prescription medication, over medication, self medication, addicted to medication, and entertainment. And entertainment and the Amer- yeah, American way. And yes, blah, blah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that balls thing is very funny. That, yeah. That, 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 you, you, folks, you heard it. It made me laugh. <laughs> uh, it is a bit. It's it's very cartoony. Yeah. You know? Yeah, which is why I imagined it as as an anime. And yeah, a bit disappointing that it's it's a dream, but man, Don, Don gets pretty racist in his dreams. Yeah, he he's a pretty racist. I mean, he said he says the <laughs> n word. He's he's a pretty racist guy. Yes, something something to keep into consideration. Yes. yes. Um, I don't know what else. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm curious to see if this goes anywhere. We've certainly been dealing with him in the hospital for a big chunk of this, and we're we're winding down to the zero hour. I mean, the, uh, of this book, I can spoil it a little bit and be like, well, why are we introducing two new characters, Fackelman and Kite? We'll hear some. We'll hear, hear more a little about more them. of them. Fackelman mm-hmm. and Kite. Yeah. Well, it's funny that he um, his name's Kite and he does bad checks. Wait, what, why is that funny? Because to kite a check is. Oh, is I'm like not familiar with that. Bad checks. But, you know, no. uh, I don't know if it's super relevant, but I'll, I'll give a brief recommendation. There's a true and episode from a few weeks ago i'm not just recommending it because it's my same name uh, about a guy named max wade uh who is a uh, like a, a, a somewhat like minorly legendary um san francisco bay area like teenage scammer uh that's pretty funny and just like the idea of like passing bad checks and doing um making fake ids and just being like a low-level robber reminded me of it it's, it's worth a listen oh, true yeah. and on max wade look i'll, I'll give you the big hook he steals Guy Fieri's car. Okay. <laughs> uh, and that that's basically the hook of the episode, but there's a lot more going on. It's 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 an interesting it's a fu- it's a fun listen if you're if you're into low tales of low level criminals and and Don Don talking about his his robbery buddies uh made me think of it. Yeah. Max Wade. Max Wade. Maximum Wade. Maximum Wade. Uh I gotta say, yeah, do, doing a fake identity to get you, yourself a nice apartment that you then uh, fill with shit that you sell, so you can just like do drugs on an air mattress. Yes, like I get it. <laughs> it's not, it's I nice. guess it's, it's more just it's, it, it'd be nice to like live in a home and not worry about like what your whether your identity and credit score had anything to do with yeah. it. That it's. I mean, the God, this is just like personal complaining about like renting and just always had like 
having to basically have like a resume essentially where you can never like have a bad living situation because then you won't get another one. Yes. The the absolute indignity of not having housing is an actual right, regardless of (laughs) whether how much money you have. Such a fucking hassle. It's ridiculous. Um, Although there is the other element that of of that comes through in this book and in a lot of stories from people that you hear that the element of being a hardcore addict of just how much fucking work it is so much work at all times yeah in like in weird bizarre hassle ways like doing these rent a center scams yeah well yeah I guess here here's an- another you know tie in is yeah. that New York just got its first legal weed dispensary New York mm-hmm. City. Um, even though you can buy, I don't think it's ever been a better time. It's probably weird Delta eight like yeah. lab grown bullshit, but you can buy weed in so many places in New York right now. Yeah. And just thinking about the hassle, like even thinking about Ken Erdetti at the beginning, waiting oh, yeah. for the man who said he would come. Yes. Uh, uh, and now Ken would be able to like, you know, go just to go med men. Yeah. <laughs> Massachusetts got legal weed before we did. Yes. Uh, that, you know, is, is that going to create like, is is part of the game of addiction the lack of you know the the game of like having yeah. to like buy it is part of the yes. the the to feedback pe- loop is like needing to like get get your money together and purchase it and the ritualistic like aspect of that uh to obtain it to find the money to have it yeah it's just it's, it's uh it's, it's such a hassle um yeah i don't know pharmaceuticals man pharmaceuticals i mean i guess that's the other thing about the the doctor thing is like you know the yes they are needed for (laughs) pain relief i guess but you know do we really need that many but that's the other thing about the stupid fucking healthcare system is like we get you, you gotta you gotta constantly be making new product because the reason that you are inventing these things is not to help people's pain, no. but because you need to sell shit. Yeah, that's the bottom line. You need to sell and then impress your shareholders. Yes, other other things. So we got constantly need new product. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Like this vision of the dream mm-hmm. doctor as basically someone who won't even like touch touch his wound. That he just comes over with his hands behind his back and tries to like wheedle him into doing drugs. Yeah, versus there are like nurses who like actually you know mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking stick a catheter up his dick and shit like that. Yes, I don't know. What is a doctor anyway? What is a doctor? I find most doctors. Even doctors, doctors don't want to be doctors. Do you know how much it sucks to be a doctor right now? The the system uh, uh, that brought the last generation of doctors in the world has basically collapsed where there's no mentorship. There's yeah. no like it's, it's no it's no longer like a, a body of knowledge of like how to practice that you pass from like an experienced cohort to the next level. It, it, it is everyone just scrambling. Yeah. Yeah, have I told the story about my cardiologist on this pod? <laughs> no. Don't wait, w- wait, is it the historical cardiologist? No. What? Isn't aren't they related to someone special? No. Oh, I, okay. I, don't, dear listeners, don't worry. Nothing is wrong with my heart. I have a simple, uh, a uh, a a uh, electrical irregularity in my heart that shows up in an EKG, and the doctor's basically like, "Yeah, I mean, like every other year, you should go see a cardiologist and just get a full scan." So I, I did that, and I went to the cardiologist. And he gave me uh, the echocardiogram, uh, and then he gave me like a, another fucking like a thing I had to wear around my neck for forty eight hours. You remember that? Yeah, that just like monitored my heart for a while. Yep. And so I did both of these things, and I went back, and it's this like aloof, distanced cardiologist, and I have done the, both these tests, and. I'm sitting in his office and it's about my heart 
working properly. Yeah. And he like looks down at his uh his little, you know, his sheet, his chart, and looks up at me and says, Everything's normal, you're fine. I could do more tests <laughs> and just like lets it hang there. And I'm like, Do I need more tests? And he's like, I could do more tests. Yeah. And he's like, I would like, do you recommend I do more tests? And he's like, There are more tests I could do. Oh my God. And I'm like, Do I need more tests and he's like everything's normal but there are more tests yeah and i'm like if you are telling me my heart is normal i am unless you are saying i need to do more tests on you i am not i will not do that do them and you he's are like the, you are the doctor yeah yes i'm you like you're the doctor. doctor tell me if i need tell more tests and he's do. like there are other tests that could be done and i'm like okay i'm not doing any more tests and then like a year later i go back to my general my what do you call it gp or, GP. or whatever my general practitioner doctor and he's, you know, doing my blood pressure or whatever, what goes through my chart and says, everything's normal with you. You're, you're, pre- you're looking pretty good. I see you went to the cardiologist I recommended. It says here you refused treatment from him. And I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> you shut the fuck up. That is not how that went down. <laughs> what treatment? Yes. Tell me what treatment, what treatment he even offered. All he said was fucking test. And then. I was like, that's not how that happened. He w- I, he did not make it clear that more treatment was necessary. He's like, he says you refuse treatment. Oh, my God. I was so fucking cheesed. Oh, that pi- that pisses me off to know it. Yes. And then I'm sure there's a whole nother level of like. Well, the whole nother stuff. level is he's like, well, you should, you know, it, you should go back and get another ch- check. Uh, you know, it's, it's 18 months later. You should go back again. So I went back again. The guy recommends uh, an echo or like the thing where they like yeah. ultrasound your heart. I'm like, okay, he recommended it. I'm going to do it. My fucking insurance says that it's medically unnecessary, so I ended up having to pay for that out of pocket, which was like $800, and it came back totally fucking totally normal. Fine. So my heart is fine, but God, but <laughs> Jesus Christ, dealing with this medical system is going to give me a fucking heart attack. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <sighs> man. I could strangle all of these people, except the nice, very helpful nurses who work at both of these offices who are always so lovely and so helpful and so understanding about how much of a fucking nightmare dealing with insurance is. Yeah. God, my heart rate is elevated right now. <laughs> yeah, don't don't uh don't mess don't mess with your heart. Yes, it's the du- it's the dumbest system possible. Yeah. It's the it's the world's stupidest thing. I guess it's all very tangentially related to us, but it is you know. Yeah, no, it's just not, it's, it's it's the, medical care. It really <laughs> is the Kafka esque nightmare of bureaucracy. Yeah, and this stuff. When you're when you when you're related to health, which is when you. Have the least agency yes. or the least spoons to deal with and stuff like that. And everything you're like, it is my health. This yeah. is about if I live or die. It, like that echocardiogram over the summer. It's like, again, it, when I fit, found out that my insurance said it was, quote, medically unnecessary and it was going to be $800 out of pocket to do it. But I'm talking about like, this is if this is about whether my heart work or not. Yeah. So you don't. Yeah. So I gotta do it when and somebody then, when the cardiologist tells you you need to do it. <sighs> right. And then yeah, if you can afford it, you're not because then the other option is you don't get you don't get it. Something happens and then oh yeah, let's yeah. Just, I don't want to be having a heart attack when I'm 36, 35 years old, going like, God damn it, I should have gotten that fucking echocardiogram. No, let's let's just. I don't want my last thought to be like I should have paid that eight hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which that is, I mean, God, that is, I'm sure that is the case for many people, but it's, it's so bad. What a nightmare. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, the Bernie campaign was so good mm-hmm. at kind of getting like the initial thing like going of just like, you mm-hmm. know, every, 
we, we shouldn't have to yeah. live like this. But honestly, like, I feel like campaigns could go further in the same way, you know, how Republicans are really good at making people like pissed off, pissed about off nothing. and afraid. Uh, yeah. Like, about we stoves and bullshit. Like Democrats that, yeah. need to get better at doing that. Like, well, that's the thing sorry, is that they that, can't negative... actually go that because go that far because look at how much fucking money they take from the healthcare yeah, industry. No, they'll, they'll never do it. Fucking, uh, what's his name from South Carolina? Clyborne? Was that that guy? She oh. took like one of the largest recipients of healthcare donations. So you can't actually say that this system is bullshit. And I get so fucking pissed when I talk to like my mom about these things. It just makes you want to reach through the bars and where, grab where them like, by the nuts. Or we should be like, scream. we could like, ha- yes, exactly. Where we could be <laughs> like, we could have like government provided healthcare. And she's like, oh, but it's so expensive. How will we pay for it? I'm like, you know what it the is, thing that it makes is it expensive, expensive is the fucking whole secondary industry of insurance that just sits. On top of this thing. It's a, it's already also like it's going to be expensive. It is already expensive. Yes, exactly. I pay oh I I oh I, we can't even get into yeah, it. Well, the I the mean, amount of money we're we're like the the worst. I know people we're we are incredibly things, lucky, like, all things considered. Oh, I was just gonna say like so many people are are so much better at articulating these things. I'm sure everybody listening to this already knows. They already it. know. It's just like it just feels like bashing your head against a fucking brick wall. It does. About all of these things. This Boston walking tour, it's a Boston, but the this camera keeps kind of zooming in specifically on spooky decorations. It is. It's walking in Boston in the rain around Halloween. Yeah. So it's like, but you know. Had, I think uh, I did a Boston ghost tour when I was in like fifth grade. I'm walking in Boston. <laughs> colonial ghost tour. Colonial ghost tour. Possibly with the guide holding like a lamp of uh. <laughs> like a gas lamp or something. <laughs> that sounds fun. Uh, one my the favorite thing that I remember from the Colonial Walking Tour of Boston, and we'll say this, and then we'll sign off because okay. we've been we've been going for a bit. Uh, is uh, you, you can see uh, John Hancock's grave from the street. It's in a little fenced off cemetery, mm-hmm. um, and John Hancock uh, invented his own family seal. Cool. And do you know what it is? A hand and a and a cock exactly a rooster it is a the, an image of a palm with a rooster in the middle of it <laughs> funny Pretty I, I, uh i want i want it to be big enough that george doesn't need to put on his glasses to read it john hancock on his signature nice king george uh it's funny to be a an, ex, an eccentric 18th century dude yeah just bar- a, a flamboyance. bars a flamboyance yeah I could get I could get into that. I'm gonna start wearing a tri corner hat around. Tri corner. Well, I you, I literally have the predecessor to the tri corner cavalier hat in the apartment right now for <laughs> our um history party next week. Nice history party. Uh come out to if you live in New York, come out to elsewhere on Wednesday. We're DJing. <laughs> uh that's it. Bye. Bye.